Unloose the goose. We'll take no use. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Hello, everyone. This is episode four of the Unloose the Goose podcast. This is Pete Quinones. I will be your host for this one. We've got Nicole Sauce, Xavier Hawk, Curtis Stone, John Bush, Jack Spierko, and a very special guest. You may know him if you're on Liberty Twitter or on Liberty Facebook, or if you've seen my documentary, The Monopoly on Violence, Sal Mayweather. How you doing, Sal? What's up, man? How are you guys? Doing good. This is going to be an episode where we're going to explore cryptocurrency and other forms of currency. It was touched on on the episode that I missed last week, but we're going to go a little deeper on something that was just really glossed over. So first thing we should do is there's a lot of people listening to this who have no idea what crypto is. You've heard it. You've seen it on TV. You've seen it. (laughs) portrayed horribly in TV shows. Your grandmother thinks it's something only drug dealers use. So I'm going to go to Xavier Hawk to give an explanation and a little history of what crypto is. So Xavier, unmute and go. Xavier, unmute. You got to unmute, Dave, dude. He's not talking yet anyways. There we go. Can you see me? (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. So for those who are new to crypto, there's two different distinctions here. The blockchain is the technology that allows crypto to happen. And that technology is essentially like the way I've described it is uh, you have a mine, a gold mine. And instead of actually going and digging the gold, you put a stake or a box around it and you say, this is mine. And here are the keys. Right. And the Bitcoin is the actual key. So when people are selling and trading Bitcoins, what they're selling is a key to a uh, an open ledger or a distributed ledger. That distributed ledger, you can put data in um, with the advent of Ethereum and some of the others. You can actually code contracts into them. Um, so what you're essentially selling is a stake or a piece of real estate on what's called a blockchain, which is a long uh, you know, uh, open ledger with a string of numbers. And the way that people discover new coins or new keys on the blockchain, new Bitcoins, is they use a cryptographic algorithm that is not set but changes depending upon how much work your computer does or the, or the, the network of computers, mining operation computers, uh, how much work they do. And then once a certain amount of work has been done, which is called proof of work, then the Bitcoin location or that that gold mine, essentially using that original analogy, is open. And within that long cryptographic string of numbers um, is like 21 million Bitcoins in the case of Bitcoin, let's say. And so people have purchased computers or mining operations. And what they do is they sit and they have those computers just work and breaking breaking the algorithm, breaking the, the cryptography. And again, it's not a set password it's it watches how long the computer has been working and how much power has been used and once a certain amount of uh, difficulty has been reached or amount of time or 
you know, computational power has been reached, then a bunch of bitcoins or gold mines in my original analogy are opened. And so people take those, those codes, which are the Bitcoin and say, Hey, I'm going to trade you this, this Bitcoin for whatever it is you have. Um, and back and forth on exchanges with different c- cryptocurrencies or whatnot. And so what you're set essentially selling is like a deed to a location on a distributed Google drive. Essentially. Does that, does that make sense? It's a cool way of putting it. That was a lot of information in a, in like a little, it. yeah, the, the key is, is people think, oh, blockchain, it's, it means it's a Bitcoin. It's like, no, the underlying architecture allows you to do a great number of things like secure voting and all of these other things. But the Bitcoins themselves, and this is an unpopular opinion, has no inherent value other than what the open market is willing to pay for it. Isn't that how money works? Well, that's like everything. Something's only yeah. willing w- w- value what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? Objective. Correct. Correct. And so... You know, well, I mean, if you look at something like gold, um, there's actual use for it. Rhodium, palladium, they actually have silver even. They have actual uses in the real world, whereas something like a Bitcoin, and this is an unpopular opinion in, in like the Bitcoin OG community where I come from. It's like it's like it, it, people tend to any new great, amazing thing, just be like rosy eyed about it and say like, oh, this is amazing. And they don't look at all of the inherent issues because uh, it it creates a, a distrust, right? And in, in the Bitcoin community, we, will, we want more people using it. So we don't want to point out the, the faults or the flaws or the weaknesses. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Sal? <clears throat> well, I, I just think that um, crypto is the most important, it's the most powerful counter-economic tool we've ever had. It is. I think that central, I think, the way I look at it is this, the biggest problem that we have today is the central bank. It's sort of the octopus that has its arms in the welfare, warfare state, and everywhere else. So if we can sort of neuter the central bank, we can really take a good step in the, in the towards liberty and freedom. The best way to do that, right, We normally we would use gold and silver, but we've learned that this is confiscable. So it's not, it's not the best option, right? So the, the best solution we have is cryptocurrency. And uh, <clears throat> to me, like I said, that's the, that's the, the one thing that we have that's that's most most likely to uh, end the central bank's monopoly, Sam said, uh, Sam Konkin said that, you know, no one counter economic tool will suffice to bring about the Agora. But when we put them all together, then then we'll get there. So I don't think that um, cryptocurrency alone can can induce a state of liberty, but it's certainly the most powerful tool that we have, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a great demonstrative example of how anarchy works when people are like show me where it's worked before anarchy is impossible it's just a pipe dream i always point to cryptocurrency where we have a global decentralized network without any hierarchy not even coercive government hierarchy no hierarchy at all and it functions as it says, and there's been issues and hiccups, but it's a great example of how uh, disparate groups of people can come together and engage a system, a network without a central arbiter. It's anarchy in action, and there's a lot of money behind it, too, to even add to the value. There, I want to pipe in on that. There, there's, I totally agree with all those sentiments. However, um, I know Jack, I think Jack and I have talked about this before, is that Anarchy is actually all around us all the time. We are actually swimming in anarchy. Every time you make a decision that is 
done without the coercive state. So any, not only time, anytime you make a decision, every time you make an, an agreement or an arrangement without the coercive use of the state, you might just be, you might, uh, the kid down the street, you might pay, agree to pay him $10, uh, a day or to come and mow your lawn. You're making decisions in the free market without the coercive use of it. Yes, you're using dollars. Maybe it could be something else. But anarchy exists all around us all the time because anarchy only means without rulers. So we all abide by laws, whether they be laws of nature, laws of God, or laws that we commonly agree on with our fellow man. We all use laws, and that's the, that's where people get confused on anarchy. And, and you guys all know this stuff, I know, but but for people listening, there's anarchy around us all the time. And and you could even go a step further, which I always like to when it comes to the de facto state, is we actually are in a state of anarchy. We just have a violent corporation. Uh, you guys in the United States, that's the United States, all caps, not the United States of America, which your constitution was founded on. We have anarchy. We have a, a, a monopolistic corporation that is pretending to be the government, and they're going around and telling us what we can and cannot do. So we we all have anarchy. It's everywhere all the time. I, I kind of agree with that. I wanted to say I'm going to probably be a little bit of devil's advocate against crypto tonight, but not yet. Uh, there's two really powerful things that what I've heard so far has made me think of. Number one is we talked about silver and gold a little bit tonight, and I think we'll probably talk about it some more because it has some validity. But I've been taking silver for my membership product since 2010. That's a while. It's 10 years. And multiple times I've had silver stolen out of the mail, and I've just turned around since I have a no-cost-to-me product and just gone ahead and given it to the customer. But I've had zero cryptocurrency transactions stolen. And I've had silver stolen. The other side of that is, you know, you can say what you want about the cost of Bitcoin transactions compared to maybe uh, a Bitcoin cash transaction being less or what have you. But what does it cost to mail a guy like me two ounces of silver? What is the percentage of the cost of the value of the product and the silver to send me two ounces of silver? Good point. That's high. And that yeah. made silver very, very impractical. So that's one thing that, like, Crypto does really well, and that kind of brings me to my second point. Whenever we talk about crypto, I think those of us that most love it always acknowledge that it has some things about it that sucks, that has some faults. Well, my thing is, when we do that and when others do that, are we getting a little bit into that whole nirvana fantasy which is or, or fallacy that always happens with anarchy in the first place? Does it have to be perfect for it to be better? Because what, what I love about crypto is that if you had told somebody before there was crypto, that, that the concept of, of individual insurrection through group action, anarchy, could lead to creating a stable, usable, acceptable currency that would alter the economics of the world completely privately with nobody else, in, no government involved at all. In fact, the government would try to stop it and not be able to. They would have told you you were flipping retarded. And they would have had good reason to do it. But... Here it is. And there's, you know, Bitcoin, there's Litecoin, there's Dash, there's, there's, there's tokens like ARC and they use proof of, proof of, uh, they, proof of stake instead of proof of work. There's so many options available. And sure, yes, thousands of cryptos washed out and died and goodbye and good riddance. But the solid projects have found a stability wherever they have found that stability. So a, a, a token like ARK might be worth 40 cents or whatever, but it's pretty stable there, right? And, and something like Bitcoin might be like 
11 grand right now, but it's been pretty stable around 10 grand up or down a little bit for a long time. I put a thing up today on some social media that had the price of Bitcoin against the U.S. dollar, and I wrote tulips, and I put an arrow to dollars, and then I put Bitcoin and an arrow to Bitcoin. So much for your tulip mania, you know. Uh, so I just think it's amazing. I think one of the big things that crypto can do beyond people using it is just say, hey, look, if we can use a private system to create money that can enable trustless transactions around the world to the point where even when the government hates it, then don't tell us we can't solve any of these other problems with a private system. You bring yeah. up some good points. Sal, did you want to say something? I have something to say to that, Jack, but I, I want to give Sal an opportunity to say Yeah, it. man. I was going to jump in and say that you're right. I agree 100%. I think that we have like a blueprint, though, right? If we look to the Austrian economist, like Menger wrote that money is something that's voluntarily adopted. It's not forced on somebody. And the other thing I want to say, too, is that, um, you know, you're talking about like different use cases and different cryptocurrencies. Hayek wrote that competition is like a discovery procedure. It's like it's the way for us to determine what the market is calling for. So as we see like Ethereum where you can write smart contracts or Monero where it's private or Bitcoin with this huge network effect, there's different use cases. So we'll see over time and the market will eventually narrow itself down until we have only the most uh, useful medium of exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with that, there's there's two issues that what Jack said. And one is that, yes, we are creating these currencies, quote unquote, currencies that we can digitally trade instantaneously with little to zero cost. Um, but the issue there is that what you're essentially doing is you're trading stock certificates. You're not trading a stable priced instrument. Um, and I don't mean stock certificates in the exact sense, but because they fluctuate in value, they do not work as great trade instruments because you need some kind of stable priced instrument that you can count on it. Otherwise you're going to hold on to it, hoping that it goes up in value. Right. So that's kind of where we're at with all that stuff, isn't it, Xavier? Yeah. A lot of people are trying to come up with stable priced coins. I was the first one to architect how to do that in a, a very stable way. Right. So like sometimes people are pegging them to dollars, but that's not stable. You're pegging them to, I mean, it's somewhat stable, relatively speaking, but then there are people with gold and silver and silver backed currencies. But again, those are commodities and they fluctuate in value. The only way to do this in a really uh, helpful way is to do it in, 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 in my opinion, mind you, is to do it as with a basket of assets. You've got a number of commodities, you've got a number of stocks, you've got a number of currencies, and then also land. And then what ends up happening is you have a bunch of different instruments and they all fluctuate, but then they create a mean average, right? And that mean average is what you can then generally say is like, oh, that's the stable priced instrument. And uh, the only way to do that is you have to have an organization that can purchase and hold these commodities, coins, currencies. And so then you have to have some sort of centralization. But that to, to Jack's point, then then you're a target. Then you can be taken out, right? And and they don't they won't allow that. You're also a reverse derivative. Exactly. Yeah. Right? You're yeah, a rever yeah. you're a backwards derivative at that point. Yeah. And if, if so if you do that, it has to be structured in such a way where that uh that that onus is distributed amongst all of the people who are, are are involved with it, right? So right now with Bitcoin, you have no say in whether they fork it, whether they make Bitcoin cash, you know, they're, they're, you have no say in it. And with all of these cryptocurrencies, you have no say. In stocks, you can get voting rights, right? In some kind of stocks and some you get preferred stocks where you don't get voting rights, but dividends, all of this different stuff. But with the current set of cryptos that are out there, you have no recourse against those who are creating the currency. So if they decide to just create pump and dumps, it's like, 
you're left hang, holding the bag, maybe. So there, there, there is a case to be made for centralization and authority, but then there is also a case to be made for complete decentralization and uh, distribution of onus. I want to ask a question, and I'm going to answer it first. But I think this, <laughs> I, I think this will show. Well, it, well, I'm, it's a poll basically. It, I'm asking a poll of the seven of us here, right. um, and yes, my answer is yes. How many of you provide a service for cryptocurrency, and you accept cryptocurrency for it? Yes. Yes. That's yes. Every Does single one. Not. Does anybody yeah. in our panel not do that? Every, every single one of I'm us. I'm kind of halfway because I just started. Like, I'm just setting this up as we speak. It's a great tool to Does accept. being a gigolo yeah. count? <laughs> <laughs> so every single one of us is accepting cryptocurrency in some way, shape, or form for some product or service. Yeah. Actually, it's, using it. So... Why? Like, why, prefer, why are you all, why are you all doing it? I prefer Taxes, it. man. <laughs> it's beneficial for my, my, uh, product because the FDA and the federal government, I sell Kratom and the government puts pressure on the banks and the credit card companies. So I can't accept credit card or debit card. So crypto is a natural, uh, thing to do, a natural solution. However, at one point I was using a plugin from a company that created this plugin. And it would generate an invoice with the order. And this company, even though it's a cryptocurrency company, they even shut it down because they didn't want to have the risk. The, there's not even really much risk anyway. But that's why it's also good to do trustless and have a service that will pop up with the invoice and not have any company that can have any pressure put on them, which I think is the magic of cryptocurrency. There's no one to pressure. There's nobody's arm to twist. That's why it was beneficial in this particular use. Yeah. Let's go around to everybody and everybody answer why you individually do it. Well, I prefer Cole? it. Like if I can do a transaction with crypto, then it's not trackable if I don't want it to be. And also from a value standpoint, um, as long as I cover my cost of goods sold on the coffee or something, it's what crypto has been doing is going up. I realize it can crash, right? That's not the only motivator, but it's it it um it goes up in value a lot and i've 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 benefited from that quite a bit and then finally i want to enable a world where we can walk around right you can walk around the regulation you can walk around things that are in our way as we build our businesses as we build our lives and crypto i think is a foundation of that i wish i understood more about it i'd like to understand more about how we can use it beyond the transaction of me selling coffee or whatever for crypto right and and part of why i'm excited about this topic today is i want to figure out other ways i can use crypto beyond the transaction sal i know that you uh you pretty much almost survived completely off of crypto, so yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. <clears throat> percent. Um, the, the in my in my opinion, the utility of Bitcoin is like obvious. Like everybody fights over it, but it seems crystal clear to me that the utility, the purpose of Bitcoin, what you can use it for, is to create peer-to-peer transactions among two individuals who are not face-to-face. This is what Ross Ulbricht, uh, Ross Ulbricht, excuse me, used it on on the Silk Road. This is what he used it for. 
uh, all of a sudden he showed us that you could have peer-to-peer transactions that the state can't can't censor at all. So um, I just opened up uh, a store, 3dprintergobur.com, because I realized that there was um, like there's there's this loophole where if you want to buy a 3D printer, uh, there's no way to do it directly in a non-KYC fashion, right? So you have to give Amazon or uh, the 3D printer company your uh, you know your personal information, your your debit card details and stuff like that. You could do it non-KYC by getting like a, a gift card or something from uh, Walgreens, but you're you know you're still using you're still purchasing that gift card with a debit card, even if you get it with cryptocurrency, it's just an extra step. So I created this to sort of remove KYC from the 3D printer buying experience to sort of help people uh, censor that transaction. And so for that's, the that's uninitiated, so can you real quick just tell them what KYC is? Uh, it's know your customer laws. It's it's an ID verification process. I've been trying to explain that to a lot of people on Twitter the last two days. It refers to like the process that your bank or your debit card company will put you through to make sure you are who you say you are. This is the way the state can come in and say, oh, well, Jack Spierko bought X, Y, and Z. Let me see what he was doing on these days. So that, that that's why I think cryptocurrency is so useful. That's the way I'm using it. That's the way Ross uses it. That's the way uh, everybody, Ben Armani uses it. Everybody else uses it. So... Savior? There, there's, yes, is the, is the answer. Um, the reason why I use it is because A, it goes up in value. B, it's non-traceable in theory, uh, depending upon what accounts you're using and, and, and what transactional, uh, platform you're using. Like Coinbase will track it and trace it and, you know, you'll have to pay your taxes on that. Um, the, and the hope for me is that it goes up in value over time and that the service that I've given is, uh, you know, becomes more valuable, right? And and so in in that regard, like there are ways to hide your cryptocurrency. Um, I'm not I'm not uh, I don't I saw it in a movie. I don't practice it, right? Um, <laughs> there are there are important <laughs> there are important things that uh, accepting cryptocurrency allows you. I, I don't necessarily believe in in Silk Road and 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 Ross Ulbricht should be free and all of this. And that I've had a very um, contrarian view to the whole cryptocurrency market since the beginning. And it's not necessarily contrarian in the sense that like, Oh, I think it's bad. It's just that there needs to be balance, right? Um, we have a global system of governance and, and, and different systems of governance that are there, whether we like them or not. The only way to get beyond them is to build something better. We can't destroy them and then try to build something then because that's that's you you get just strong men and all of the same bullshit that's happened throughout history. So there there is a balance that needs to be struck. And I, I do believe in KYC and AML for a number of reasons, um, not just because I'm building a system that is going to require it and I need the system to allow me to play in the system. But um, it's just good responsibility. Right. Like we, we don't we don't want bad actors like rogue terrorists and or rogue agents being able to conduct their black ops in a way that that is untraceable, right? And that they, they can't help be held accountable. Um, there will always be a black market, and there will always be stuff like that. It's just there, there is a there is a balance to be struck, in my opinion. So, anyone want to comment on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. Right. Um, I, I actually don't disagree, but I do disagree. I I, I think KYC is a great idea. I think building systems that interact and work within the state's framework so that you can be over there when you want to be over there, great idea. I think 
telling me that I shouldn't work on the other side of it. And I don't think that's actually what Hawk's doing, but he's advocating something that kind of sort of goes that way. Go fuck yourself. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, um, I mean, the way I do business with my customers with cryptocurrency, I started out using like a payment gateway and all that shit. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Right. So now what I do is they fill out a form for the information I need to give them their product. And then they, that comes to me and I email them and say, what crypto do you want to use? And I don't give out flying shit what one it is it can be bitcoin it can be albatross coin i don't give a shit as long as it's on an exchange and i can change it into something else i send them an address they send me the money i don't give a shit who they are right you want to buy a product from me it's a membership that gives you discounts i don't care i don't care if curtis claims to be a a uh, asian transsexual from H holland i don't why care. am i the asian why transsexual care, right <laughs> why can't it be know. xavier Oh man. Hey man, because you're the most woke among us. That's why you're the woke one, right? So like, I don't care. Like, and the reason, the reason I take it at all is number one, first let me say I don't own any cryptocurrency whatsoever and nobody here does either. None of us own cryptocurrency. We lost in a boating cryptocurrency accident. Cryptocurrency is not, I was going to say that, but we can't because we don't, no, I literally mean we don't own it. Cryptocurrency does not exist in a place. It is, distributed at all times. It, you can't take cryptocurrency away from somebody else. What you control is two numbers that allow you to move some things around in a ledger. Your keys, your public and your private key. That's all you have is access to data. And if Pete gets my data, he can move that same cryptocurrency around. Did he steal it from me? No, he didn't steal my crypto. He stole my keys. Anybody with those keys can move that data anywhere they want and make things happen. Therefore, Cryptocurrency is not money, and I don't own any, and I don't have any, so all of your laws do not apply to me. I don't know what you're talking about. But I have been invest investing in cryptocurrency keys since 2014, and they've been very good to me. And I may or may not have a really beautiful sports car over there. It's not a Lambo, but it's a really beautiful American-made muscle car that might have been uh, brought to my home because I gave cryptocurrency keys to somebody that gave somebody money, right? I, that that might have happened. I, I don't know. And the fact that I can even put it that way and not be talking out of my ass is the number one reason that I accept cryptocurrency because I don't own any cryptocurrency. I don't actually accept cryptocurrency. I am willing to provide a service or a product in return for you moving some numbers around. Yeah, for access, access to a data a data set. And, and so KYC up your butt. I don't care about your KYC, but I do, right? I get what you're saying, Xavier. Like, I think that's awesome that you want to build that. And as long as we Voluntary. don't build, as long as we don't build a system where I, I can't operate outside of that, right. I'm okay. And that means I'm okay, period, because if you could create an environment where I couldn't have, uh, operate outside of that, government would have already done it. And that's why I take cryptocurrency. They're, work, they're working they on put, it. They can yeah. work all they want. Good yeah, 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 luck yeah. with that, right? No, but, but They'll it, stop it's, the it's coronavirus serious. before they stop cryptocurrency. 
Uh, yeah, the, that that might be a fact, but the, the 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 seriousness of the situation is is that they're building a global economy based on blockchains. But the Chinese model, where you have a social credit score, and if you aren't doing the right thing, you're blocked out of the system. Now that's all that, your fault. You did that. No, yeah, I know. Fuck. So, <laughs> that, but so we have to build the system that is voluntary that counteracts that, right? And there's a really important point here. I was helping banks actually purchase hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency, and they had a forensic system they could not use any they can actually trace the coins where it's been they can't mm-hmm. necessarily id you by it because your your uh wallet is pseudonymous if you use the right the right wallet system coin collectors yep yep uh but they can see like if, if if it had been through silk road or any of the iterations of silk road they could tell and they wanted only because of the way that the regulations were unfolding that the banks had backdoor access to understanding they could not legally or uh you know the, the risk was too great the liability was too great to actually purchase coins that had mm-hmm. ever gone through uh silk road so this is ironic because if you think about all of the USD that has been used to murder right. people, <laughs> around the world, yeah. Yeah. people use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that goes through, gets money laundered through banks too. Well, I want to share a tip the with the audience. Thing. Just real quick, another poll on the whole drug thing. We, you know, just sound off with it because I do not do drugs. Or, uh, <laughs> if anybody here who's ever used a substance that's illegal, ever, whether it's drug or not, that you bought from somebody else. How many here have bought that substance using U.S. dollars? Of course, everybody. Right. That's why the whole drug thing is a nothing burger. It's a and, nothing and, burger. Well, what if you bought? What if you bought uh, not drugs? What if you? Well, I guess alcohol is drug. What if you bought moonshine? Right. Well, well, if, anybody cash. here buy moonshine? I have. I paid dollars for it. <laughs> right. So I mean, the whole idea that you can buy shit with Bitcoin. That's illegal is 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 it's a stupid, stupid argument. It's that's a stupid argument. It is. Cash right? is untraceable too. Maybe that's yeah. even a benefit for for agorists. But when we're talking about private keys, I want to encourage the new folks in the audience to crypto. A great tip. So you have your public address, which is kind of like your account number that you share with someone to send you crypto, and then you have the private key, which is the key you need to gain access and control. And like Jack was talking about property earlier or owning something. Maybe a better word is to have control over it. So a great tip for anyone that wants to receive Bitcoin, and especially if you're going to hold Bitcoin and save Bitcoin, is to ensure that you're using a wallet, whether it's a wallet on your phone or a wallet on your desktop or a hardware wallet, where only you have access to the private keys. Companies like Coinbase, which are super easy to use and make it more accessible, they have access to the private key. So the government comes along and wants to take your money or if the company for some reason thinks that because you're selling Kratom or because you did this or that, um, that they, they don't want to let you use it, they can take it. So if you, in order to truly own or have control over the cryptocurrency that's associated with your public address, only you can have access to that private key. It's a really important step. That's, what I, that's what I just got. Yeah, it's like burying gold somewhere and making a treasure map. Like they can't take that shit from you. Yeah. So can, can I talk about? Are we are we still going around, or are we just gonna? Riff? Very good. Yeah, right. man. Go ahead. Okay. Bro. So, um, yeah, I just recently got into this, um, and I'm set up to take, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero, and uh, maybe Litecoin or something like that. So I've got all that on this. I still ha- haven't gone and publicly done it, but you know, I've been. Uh, 
I've been in the upper echelon of the tax bracket for a few years now, and it sucks. I remember the first time I paid something like a hundred grand in taxes. I was so fucking pissed off because they literally took all the money that I had left over. So it was like, when you write that kind of a tax bill, you're like, this is, this is insane. You know, and we, we, we've all been down that road of talking about the insanity of, of taxes and all that. And so the way I look at it is, well, I can't change it all right now. And I agree with every, everything you guys said about, about crypto, but I can at least start taking a step. And so what I've, what I'm doing now is I will no longer provide my direct labor for anything else, but precious metals or crypto like straight up. So I took a break from consulting just cause I had kids and got busy. Uh, but now I'm getting back into consulting and it's like, if you want to consult with me, you got to pay me in crypto. And the thing that I discovered that's quite amazing actually, and I'd, I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on this is that you can actually, there's these Bitcoin and crypto ATMs all over the world now. And you can go on, because my, my thing was, well, how is, so somebody's going to email me about consulting and they want me to consult their project or whatever. And I'm going to say to them, no, uh, well, sure, but you got to pay me this way. Uh, I discovered a very easy way to pay somebody when you don't even have crypto is you just go to one of these ATMs, you put your cash in, and then you send it to that wallet. So it's it's so actually easy. You just got to go to the place and do it. So that's kind of cool. But the thing is that's amazing about about crypto is it's like Sal was talking about too, is that um, it really is right now one of the, well, it's at least the best way I can see to subvert the the sort of state capitalist system we have where the government owns everything you produce and they, they do that through income tax right and so the word income when you get into the legalese has a meaning and it doesn't actually mean your labor uh, because you can actually go into the international covenant on civil and political rights or the international covenant on um what's it called political and cultural rights or economic rights and both of these, I believe it's Article 7 on both of these, or Article 5, states that you cannot have slavery. It basically says that you cannot take a man's labor. And they use those words intentionally because we're all locked in this legal system where we're all locked into personhood, right? And so the government has tricked us into thinking that we're these persons. And when you're that person, you are obligated to pay those taxes. So in the, in the Income Tax Code of Canada, it says right in the preamble, persons and residents shall pay income tax. And so there's legal definitions for all those things. And you can go and try to fight all that legalese and try to and try to and not pay taxes. I know some people that do it, and there's more people that are successful with it in the United States because there's more of a foundation for it down there. Um, but it's so much easier just to do crypto. So it's like pay Caesar with Caesars, except that while you're in that system that you're, you're going to pay these assholes with their money. But we start incrementally getting to a point where we're taking more and more of our labor for crypto. Now, this is one thing I'm curious about because I'd like to get sort of a utility of how to do this. A lot of us are con where most of us are content creators here. I'm curious how John, cause Jack, the way, the way you explain taking crypto to me as a guy who I have thousands of members in my, in my membership, that seems a bit labor intensive to go and have that conversation. John, do you have a way where that's just like built into your website where they come in and just boom, pick it all. You don't have to touch it. And that crypto comes your way. How do you automate that kind of thing? 
Well, if you have an online store, then there's certain plugins and companies. One of them that I use is called Blockonomics, and it's a third party. Yeah, Blockonomics.io, I believe. But they never are custodians of your crypto. So you put your own address. It bypasses the third party and goes straight to you. Now, you do have to load up uh, a little bit for their fees. They charge very mild fees, very light fees. So you have a little address that you send some of your Bitcoin. Um, they don't take a percentage of your Bitcoin that you send. So that's one that I use. And that they take Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. No, just Bitcoin, I think, and Ethereum. And then the other one I use is simply a plugin that auto generates an invoice. The beauty of the other one is that it does all of the work to confirm that the Bitcoin transaction was sent to my address and that there were confirmations. So whenever you send a Bitcoin to an address, it gets sent, it gets registered on the blockchain. But while the proof of work, while the Bitcoin mining machines do their labor to verify the authenticity of the transaction, that takes a little bit of time, 10 minutes. And then once you have a confirmation, sometimes uh, software requires three confirmations, then it's considered a valid transaction. So that program will affirm that that happens and then wait to move the order on. The other one is a manual one, which has its benefits. It can never get shut down. It's simply a little piece of software. That's Blockonomics, that one you're talking about? No, the other one I'll have to get the name for. I can do it while we're on the on. Yeah, is is it like a WordPress plugin or something? It's a WordPress plugin. It interacts with WooCommerce, which is what I use. Oh, it does. Oh, wow. Okay, perfect. But I mean, if you're doing, and that's good for me because I have orders that are coming in, you know, dozen orders a day, and some of them will be crypto, and so I can't bother with each and every one. Uh, but if you're doing consulting, you know, that's a limited number of transactions you're going to do because it's, oh, it's yeah, hours, it's easy right? that way. I, I, I want to make my me- I want to put my membership. I want to ha- I want to take payment in crypto because why yeah. not? Right. OK, I can help consult you on how to set that up on. Whenever yeah, we, we can do that. Oh, we can no, do that's that not an offline thing. But let me just real quick on that. Like, so don't create a problem where you don't have one. I'm looking at my member roles and I've got like 13000 active members. Um. Three to five percent are crypto. That's still that's, that's still a good that's, amount, dude. It's a good amount, but like it's not like you sit there and process a shitload of people every day. Right. You get people that like I want to pay with crypto, okay? And so I take an opportunity. I know that a member will retain well, but if I can get more years up front, so I'll say since you're paying crypto, you want to do three years. You want to do five? Brilliant. Right. Yeah. You're not going to do right? a monthly transaction and spend that time to take that. No, no, no. You, this is annual and you, I always, I only do annual and crypto and I, I also always upsell on the timeline. And what I found, and Love I missed it. this when I said why I take crypto, because I got people that became members because I took crypto. That is a huge, that's any entrepreneur. If somebody will do business with you because you do something and it's not hard, well, hell, maybe you should do that thing, right? So when I when I started taking crypto back in like 2014, I had people go, you know, man, I was always thinking about becoming a member, but when you said you'd take Bitcoin, I got all those Bitcoins, so yeah, I'll, I'll become a member. So like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing that. And that individual transaction is actually really powerful because those of you that were listening to the audio only that heard Curtis say, I've got this, he was holding up a Ledger Nano hardware wallet, which is like kind of like a USB stick that – is a wallet that you can unplug from a computer and you have it, you can put it in a vault. Lots of good reasons to have one. I own one, maybe. Anyway, um, but if, like the easiest way you can start taking crypto is go get a wallet that's a good wallet where, like Xavier said, the, the provider never sees your keys. 
One would be Jack's Liberty. I'm not saying he used that. It's just a good wallet. You could get a Jack's Liberty wallet in 10 seconds at the iPhone store or the Android store. Put it on your phone. You want to get, you want to receive Bitcoin from Peter. You go in there and you go into your Bitcoin thing. You say receive. It'll give you an address. You send him that address. He sends Bitcoin to that address. Done. No one knows who anybody is. Like they can, like I said, if they get that address, they can track where that has been, how many times it's been broken up, how it came back to get. Yeah, but like right there, you have an anonymous transaction. Yep. And it required, it, it's like, it's what you call banking for the unbanked. I think Sal's talked about that before. So maybe we, yeah. we asked him as a guest today. Maybe we go to him next, but like anybody's listening right now and go, well, how do I do this? How, like instead of worrying about all these complicated ways, just go get a wallet and whoever has crypto that wants to give it to you, give them an address. I mean, it's yeah. that simple. There's no more to it than that. And I think sometimes when we try to explain all of the tech behind it, we lose people that think like the, the, the person that put the piece of tape over the blinking 12 on their VCR is like, I don't understand. But they're sitting there in their phone every day. If you can do anything with an app on an iPhone, you can send cryptocurrency tomorrow morning. And that's tonight. the thing, right, is like making it that easy. Uh, Sal, you want to go ahead and then I'll start answering some of the questions or bringing the questions okay. from the chat room to that you. Works. And I I'll mean, be right back. I mean, I just think for like in terms of like banking and banks, I think that's the whole point, right? Is like these peer to peer transactions. Now we don't need Visa. You don't need your bank. You don't have to use Western Union or any of these third party intermediaries to move your own money around, right? If it's, if it's not your keys and it's not your money. So if you wake up tomorrow, let's say you have $10,000 in your bank account, you wake up tomorrow and Chase says, no, you don't. You have zero. What are you going to do? How are you going to yeah. prove them wrong? Yeah, right? if I, do. You can't take my Bitcoin, though, although I should preface that by saying I got cleaned out in the Dow hack back in the day. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Ouch. I got burnt in that wow. one. I guess maybe you can steal crypto, but <laughs> I guess the guy was abiding by the code, so I can't really so are you Are you serious, or is this like the way that I lost all my AR-15s to the lake? No, no, no. I got I got cleaned oh, okay. out bad. Yeah, I woke up one morning, and like some guy in Europe was like draining the Dow tokens. So I. Oh. But hey, look, he didn't, honestly, he didn't violate the non-aggression oh, yeah. principle when he did it because he followed the code. It was just my fault for not That's doing my due diligence and, you know, uh, auditing the code. But it is what it is. Um you know, I, I just think that, like, the peer-to-peer -peer transaction thing is, like, that's what I try to stress because that's the utility. That's how you're going to get uh, millions of people to uh, get out of the banking system. That's how you're going to fight uh, the Federal Reserve. Yeah. I got one yeah. tip to add on to Jax before we do questions. The first thing that you absolutely must do right after you download your wallet is back up the wallet. Usually you'll get what's called a seed, which is usually a 12-word mnemonic phrase. You write that down on a piece of paper. Don't write it down on your phone that has access to the Internet. Don't put it on your desktop in a Word doc. Write it down on a piece of paper. Put that in a very secure, safe place. Not all wallets have that mnemonic phrase, but you can actually export a wallet file. It's usually wallet.dat, or you can write down the actual private key. But most people use multiple different addresses, but that's a good thing to do if you're storing a lot of cryptocurrency on one particular public address. Hey, John, my, my buddy who's helping me set all this up, he, he was an early adopter in crypto. He, he actually gave me Bitcoin years ago, and I've lost it ever since because I, oh. I screwed up what you just said. So this is what Critical. he says to me now. The way to keep your coin, like I seriously probably have a million dollars in Bitcoin, but it's gone. Uh, he's because I lost that piece of paper. He says the way to put your seed key on 
is get a scrap piece of steel or aluminum. Aluminum's better because it doesn't rust and scratch it in there. Are you married, Curtis? I am. You can actually take your wedding ring and go along the inside of it with your key. Oh, yeah, there you go. You're always wearing it. (laughs) I don't wear a ring, but... Let me me add to that, right? So when you set up a wallet, if it has the the key that, that, that everybody's talking about with a mnemonic phrase... Most, who here doesn't have more than one device? Okay. What do you mean, like a wallet? No, 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 wallet. No, like a, a phone, phone laptop, a computer, a laptop, right? You have multiple devices. You can right. install that. So we're talking about a, a wallet like Jack's Liberty or uh, Electium or something like that. If you're using a wallet like that, install that wallet on multiple devices and then use the key code to import your wallet so you have it in multiple places. So I can pull up a wallet on my computer. I can pull it up on my phone. I can take my old iPhone, right? Put it, like when you get rid of your, when you get your, never trade your phone in. It's worth more to you than it will ever be worth in a trade-in. Install that wallet on there. Freaking lock it up and put it away somewhere with a passcode on it you won't forget. And Mm -hmm. that way, there's always a device somewhere that's kind of like, it's basically very similar to what Curtis has with his hardware wallet. It's different, but it's the same. Same but different, man. Was that uh, Cheech and Chong, right? Tommy Chong. It's the same with different man. Beaners, right? That's right. So then the other side of this is it's not that many words. And if you try to just memorize it, yeah, you might forget it. If you learn one of those words in that phrase every day until you learn them all, you will write that phrase into your brain where you will never forget that phrase. And then this is another reason to use cryptocurrency. The shit hits the fan. You're going to Europe because you got a passport, a Glock, and five grand in the words of Fernando Aguirre. And you're leaving. You can delete that shit off every device you have. And if that is in your brain, when you get over to France or wherever you're starting your new life, mm-hmm. you can install that wallet, enter those words, boom. Yeah, that's amazing. You, you don't have to report don't. over $10,000 like uh, you're supposed to. No, no, you don't own any over. Yeah. because you don't own any money. Yeah. All you now own is a list of words that you remembered. Yeah. And so I say, yeah. even if you're going to stamp it in a steel, whatever. Commit it to memory on top of it. Write At least some of it. Write At least a song where it. the first word is every third line <laughs> yeah. is your word. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe you so, could have some brain damage just throwing that out there as a, you want yeah. to be totally safe. Well, you want other ways. Someone else that you definitely trust, like a child or what, not your what, wife or, or your John ex-wife. Bush. Or John Bush. <laughs> or me. It's the worst. You can trust well, me. Well, one thing, one thing I did with all of mine is if I'm sure everyone here has like a proton mail or some kind of secure mail. If you just mail it to yourself and you put it into a folder, I mean, it's who's the only people who are going to get it is somebody who has your password. If you do that, here's how you cover your ass with it. Don't call it what it is and (laughs) add some number of words to it on the front and the back that you won't forget. So all you got to do is remember four, for instance, put four words in front, four words in back, something like that or some off-number sequencing, and then that way you can look at it and go, I'm going to eliminate these four, and this centerpiece is what it is. Because if somebody finds a list of things that's like Cricket, Pete, John, Curtis, (laughs) Roger, they're going to know what it is, and they're going to start trying wallets. Yeah. Totally. So you got questions? Yeah, we got some questions uh, on the the live stream YouTube. We've got Smaggy. She said, what is that that Curtis held up? And that's the Nano Ledger. Yeah. yeah, right off Amazon, uh, man. It's yeah, easy to it, use. I, I have one. It's easy to use. It's you know, I'm kind of disappointed that I can only have four four types of wallets on here, though. i got to say. No, you can have a lot more. If you use Exodus, 
Exodus is a great uh, wallet system, and they have... It's a wallet system you download for this? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can use it with the Ledger Nano. So you have Exodus, and then you can use... You can have Ripple, you can have... XR, uh, XML, oh, that's good XML. to know. Because I was yeah. like, it's like taking up like a hundred kilobytes, and it's telling me that it's that's it's maxed out. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No, if you use yeah. it in conjunction with Exodus, which also has an app, uh, you okay? You, I'll write can, that down. That's great. yeah. So that's really great. So Smaggy, that's that's what that was. And then the first question you had, this is a, a roundtable question. You're given a hundred dollars to buy some currency. Do you buy silver, gold? Bitcoin or something else. We, if, if everybody goes around, and then Sal, we've got one question specifically for you about the 3D printing. Well, I guess I'll go first. Ho- yeah, you host go. privilege. No, wait a minute, Nicole, you go first, ladies. Ah, first. there you go. I have a thing about community later, but um, Very I would actually you. right now buy silver, which is weird, but not really. I, I I'm kind of. I'm looking good, good on silver's got a lot not, of not like set, but my silver supplies are not what I want them to be. So, if it were only a hundred dollars, I'd buy I'd buy some form of crypto. Yeah, buying a hundred buying a hundred dollars worth of silver. If it doubles, what you have two hundred dollars. Who knows what crypt what crypto will do if you have you know hundred bucks worth of it? So. I would encourage someone to diversify. So a lot of people don't have any crypto. If you already have silver or gold, then consider adding some crypto. Also remember, if you're, people always use an objection against Bitcoin. They say, well, I'd rather just buy gold or silver or guns, right? It's not a mutually exclusive thing. You can have all of those and have cryptocurrency. So I would talk to everybody that you have to pay money to. All the people that you currently buy from and do business with. Find out who takes cryptocurrency. And I would buy whatever cryptocurrency they take. And I would buy $100 more than you need to pay them this month. And then I would go ahead and use cryptocurrency. And I would pay all those bills using cryptocurrency. So I started learning how to use cryptocurrency. And I started actually engaging with some of my vendors, let's say, because even if you're not in business, you have vendors. Anybody you buy shit from regularly is a vendor. And I would start paying them in cryptocurrency. And that way I would know that whatever I've put into, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin or whatever you're going to buy, that I already have people that I know will take that in payment. So that money is really more like a savings account than anything else. And I'll start actually learning how to use it because as much as I am an investor in cryptocurrency keys, because I don't own any cryptocurrency, the point of cryptocurrency is not to buy some numbers and hold on to them and hope that one day you hit the lottery. It's to actually use it and circumvent the system. So I don't tend to worry too much about, like, did you, did I buy too much cryptocurrency this month? Like, should I bought a little bit less or should I have taken a little bit less? As long as I can pay for things with it, because what's the difference now? Well, the difference is actually really good. The difference is now I'm paying somebody with it. So the main reason I would, if I'm going to go small denomination, would start with cryptocurrency is because it's spendable. The problem I have with with silver, and it's easy for me to say because I happen to maybe know where some silver is, um, is that it's complicated. If I told John tomorrow, hey, man, I want to buy $300 worth of Kratom, and he says, okay, what do you want to pay for me with? And I say silver, even with John only down in Austin and I'm up in Fort Worth, it's I got to ship it. You know, what's that going to cost? I got to insure it. I know the people at the post office steal but if I have cryptocurrency and I go, John, will you take $300 worth of Litecoin? What do you say? 
Yes, sure. here's an address. Boom, done. So I would put it in a crypto, but I would look higher than that number, and I would start moving some of your space credits from the Federal Reserve in and through crypto and start developing relationships with it. Mm-hmm. Once, uh, Sal, you want to go? I agree with everything you and Jack said. I think um, surprisingly, though, Jack, that what you said was a, is a surprisingly controversial opinion that we should be using it for payments is, is amazingly that's extremely controversial. Let's not get let's not get into it. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm, I'm saying I would take crypto and for the exact same reason. And he, well, we're not. He's not getting into it, Pete. He's not talking about. I know. You know, should Although this crypto or that crypto? Just, just <laughs> hey, why don't you actually spend some of it once in a while? Right. And if you want more, just buy it back. Like, let's say you wanted to hold five, the keys to five bitcoins. And this month you owe half a bitcoin in, in, in bills and you can pay those bills with bitcoin. So pay them and buy it back. Right. Exactly. Start, get off the, get off the government's ledger and get on whatever private ledger you prefer. And, and this whole thing, you know, is bitcoin cash or litecoin or, you know, uh, ripple or what. I don't give a shit. Whatever the person will take that I'm doing business with. That's the. I think that's the important point is because there really isn't a praxeological difference between money and a medium of exchange. So it's, if it's not a means of exchange, it's not money, and thus you can't you have no. There's no counter economic benefit to engaging with it. So that's. I agree with everything you said 100. percent What I'm gonna. What What I want to say right now before we go on. Um, People who are just learning about crypto right now, they could go on social media and they could just make a post and say, hey, anyone who's into crypto, what crypto should I get? Don't do that. No. Okay? <laughs> don't, don't do that. Okay? Because you're going to start a war. Unfortunately, people have opinions. And people who've been in this space for a while have very strong opinions. And if you see people fighting over which crypto is better than this, which crypto is better than that, ignore them, do your own research and just concentrate on the technology. The technology is what's important. Uh, a friend of mine once said about cryptocurrency that the silicon is unbreakable, but the carbon has fucked it all up. And that is a, <laughs> just know the technology is perfect. You want to be involved in it. There's a lot of people you have to ignore too, because yeah. people have opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Curtis, what about you? A hundred bucks. What would you, well, I would try to offer a contrary, uh, <laughs> a counter to it is that investing a hundred bucks in my opinion, in any type of, especially in the time we're in right now, I would think a hundred bucks is spent on fucking seeds <laughs> like, or bullets. That, like, that's, that's, that was my answer. Go ahead. You know, like it's, uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually not into investing at all. I I've spent, and I've actually, I've been telling, uh, people that follow me uh, for a while now, I spend all of my money on real shit, whether it's solar panels for my home, whether it's, uh, things for my farms or my garden, um, tools that I can use. Just right now with where we're at with, with the world, I spend money on real shit that like chainsaws, tools, things that do stuff. Um, having said that, 
I'm not rich. So, but I guess if you're rich, you'd be spending more than a hundred bucks. So I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I don't really put that much value in investing, to be honest. I want to start making, but that's just me because I, I, I'm just too involved in the real world of like doing real stuff, you know, like making stuff. And yeah, I do a lot of stuff online, but I'm very engaged in the real world. So to me, I've never really been that interested in investing and I've done just fine without it. So it's just, to invest, to me, it's just not my thing. I, I've got better things to do. I've got better ways to make money. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, I prefer I prefer metals, to be honest. I, I've been stacking silver and gold for a long time. I do prefer those things as a form of saving to basically just putting aside my labor that I want to preserve for perhaps my children or a time when the shit isn't hitting the fan. Like I just did a video the other day kind of calling out a lot of these financial gurus like Salente and uh, uh, what's it, Jeff Berwick. And I love these guys, but a lot of them, you know, it's like guns, gold and a getaway plan. It's like, fuck dude, where's the seeds? Where's the plants? Where's the resources? Like where's the, where's the land? Where's the like community? where's the, yeah. Where's the community? Like that to me, that's the real shit. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bother. And, and I, and I have, I have money to spend and I'm not even buying cryptocurrency. I've got better things to spend money on right now. If I, if I was sitting on, on like mountains of cash, yeah, may, maybe I, I'd, I'd be doing it, but I still haven't found a shortage of things that are far more worth buying. Like just bought a battery system for my solar system on my house way better investment in my opinion because if the lights go out i still have power at nighttime or in the winter so but that, that's kind of where i'm at but the answer you're giving is exactly why i gave the answer i gave okay so as soon as you start taking cryptocurrency and you have some cryptocurrency you're going to find out unless you have ways to spend that cryptocurrency yeah, as cryptocurrency totally. you might as well have took canadian dollars because if you have to convert it back to Canadian dollars to spend it, that's when you go back into their system, and that's when you're going to end up paying taxes on it based on the differential between well, when you I got it and when you well, – I don't on, know. Right? I, I don't know if that's entirely true, though, Jack, about converting it into dollars. I don't know if that's entirely true. I do know a number of people that have made a lot of money in crypto and converted it into cash and went and bought homes and real estate and nothing. I mean, depends on how, and it depends on whether or not you're eventually like just because someone didn't get caught doesn't mean that eventually. Sure, devil's in the right, details, and only right. time will tell. So if only you have some guy right. named Frank that buys it for cash from you, and you can go spend that cash, okay, that's fine. But now you're not converting to cash; you're using it to buy cash, and that's totally different. Yeah, if that's you're true. gonna yep. if you're gonna let's say move your crypto to a place like Coinbase. And then transfer that to dollars and then move it to your bank account. You're gonna even pay. if you, even if you get away with it, you've made a trail yeah. that the dumbest IRS agent that's ever existed, or I don't know what you call them in Canada, can follow. If I go buy a chainsaw from Peter for $250 worth of Litecoin, I'll just say good fucking luck tracking that shit down. Like yeah. they don't have time to do that. So that's what I'm saying about you. Instead of investing, you buy and use and leave a little bit behind. That's your savings, your investment, whatever. Just like you get your paycheck, you put it in your check, your checking account, you pay your bills and what's left behind, maybe you move it to savings, right? That same philosophy. Start using it like what it is, a replacement for their ledger. Again, I don't like to even use the word money. I'll blow everybody's mind when I say I don't even think money exists. Money is nothing but an agreement. All money is a ledger. All money is backed only by 
confidence. Every single currency that ever collapsed, nothing actually changed about it other than nobody agreed that it was worth anything anymore. Yeah, that's it. Money's the grand illusion of humanity. It, it's not a thing. It doesn't exist. Right? There, I mean, it's not real. There's a really good question on YouTube if we can uh, well, go to I, I, John has his to answer his hundred bucks. I'd like to answer the hundred bucks, and then um, okay, Sal's I'm got sorry. the the a little bit to explain about the 3D, and then we can do John's. I think okay, that's yeah. yes, because that would be a good one to end on too. Uh, how th that question? I already shared my hundred, so I think it's just you oh, that's left. Okay, so it really depends, uh, Smaggy. It depends on like the the bullets. I, I mean, I've got the seeds, we've got the location, we've got the solar, we've got all the things. Um, but it, so I'm in a position where I can invest and I like to invest and it, I, I like to let my money work and not me, right? Like that's just the way I am. Um, and so I have a very contrarian point to all of this. And I think Ripple is going to kick ass. I would put a hundred bucks in Ripple, which is like was, was 20 cents three days ago and now it's 30 cents. Um, they're going to replace the SWIFT network, which is who transfers the money between banks every night, hundreds of millions of dollars. They set themselves up with billions and billions of Ripple looking to replace the SWIFT network. So they're going to be institutionalized, which is not agorist at all. I'm just a practical fucker, and this I see as a, as a practical step. Um, and then bullets, frankly, just because we are in an, in a, a, an echo of the antebellum period um, before the Civil War, and it's based on congressional house seats and not any of the other bullshit. It's who controls the government. So um, I think there's going to be a need for bullets. Uh, I would also buy seeds, but that's I've got them, and I'm, you know, we're you going. It. Hey, Xavier, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's interesting with Ripple. I actually am personally friends with the creator of Ripple. He lives here in Kelowna, and he sold it. Chris? No, no, no. Um, he... He, he sold it way before it went anywhere. Okay. And, uh, and, um, his name's Ryan. And so he, he sold it to these guys like a long time ago, sold it for a quarter million dollars. He's still oh, living shit. off that money. But you know, he, here's a, the original Ripple as an original, uh, conception was incredibly amazing. All it was, it, it was like a let system. You guys know what a local exchange trading yeah, system yeah, is? Yeah, 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 exactly. The first sort of like decentralized, and this is a good conversation going on this and kind of expanding it out to community and all these other things we talk about, is it was basically a public ledger. I wish somebody would recreate it because the original Ripple was so cool. Now, to me, it just seems like a shill thing. It's probably I've heard that it's it's the Federal Reserve is all over it, oh, but totally. whatever. Um, yeah, it is the and that might be true, and you're a utilitarian guy, so you get that, and there's utility in it still, but whatever. The original idea of Ripple was so brilliant. All it was was this public ledger, so everybody has a membership to this ledger, and and but it's it, it creates this idea, this trustless idea. So let's say all of us are connected, but we don't know each other personally. So I can go, oh well, but maybe Xavier and I know each other personally, so I can say. I'm going to do some farming work for Xavier and I'm going to put a, a, a number on that. We agree as ripples in the system. Now he owes me a hundred of those ripples. We just, it's, it's a debt system, but yep. it's debt based on individual trust that you can yep. leverage. Yep. So now I've got those hundred Xavier owes me a hundred, but Nicole needs something done and she doesn't know Xavier personally, but now I can leverage that hundred to Nicole to pay her for a service. So it's it was basically this public ledger that allowed people to create their own money 
out of promises to pay. It's, it was genius. Yeah, yeah. And then the, he sold it and they, it turned into something completely different. The beast. It's, the beast. Yeah. Totally. So I would love to be introduced to him, by the way, if we can work okay, that out. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot, shoot me an email and I'll, um, I'll introduce so you. So Peter's Sal, that, I mean, Hawk is that guy in the meeting that's always doing the. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 you down on that, dude. <laughs> Sal, I, I think we have a question for Sal, right? Yeah, yeah. Specifically, would you be able to explain your 3D printing a little bit more in depth? It was, it was just a question of, um, please go into into depth. Uh, uh, yeah. What's the nutshell, nutshell elevator pitch on your your 3D printer? So essentially, the, the the problem with the 3D printing industry is to buy a 3D printer, you have to KYC yourself. You have to use a KYC platform. You have to purchase, make that purchase on Amazon with Visa or wire the money somehow. But however you do it, you have to use a KYC platform. Um, the, the only way you can purchase a 3D printer in a non-KYC fashion is to uh, purchase a gift card with Bitcoin and then use that gift card, go on Amazon and buy your 3D printer. So what I did was I just created a little e-com shop real quick. It took me like a week, not even, uh, where I'm selling 3D printers now for accepting crypto. There's no KYC required for the, on the buyer's end. I am myself KYC because I'm using um, the Coinbase plugin for Shopify. So I'm KYC. They have all my info. But if you buy a 3D printer from me, the only thing I need from you is a name, right? It could be John Smith and address. It could be the abandoned house down the street. It doesn't matter. I'll ship it anywhere. So there's no KYC required for the buyer. So this is really an innovative sort of thing. It's the only way now to purchase a 3D printer directly in a non-KYC fashion. And that really, to me, nice. that's the whole purpose of Bitcoin. That's the utility of it, mm-hmm. is to have this peer-to-peer cash that doesn't require these third-party intermediaries. Dope. See, Thank you. What I want to say about the 3D printing that I think is so awesome is that if I have a 3D printer and Sal has a thing that will tell my printer how to make me something, now we've got some especially if I can buy that program from him for Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever. Because now I'm giving him numbers and he's giving me numbers and we're actually doing a cryptological exchange. His side decrypts the money to make it money he can do something else with. My side decrypts the, the, because it's just data and numbers, it's ones and zeros. And then my printer makes me the thing that I don't know how to make my printer make. And so you want to talk about agorism going on steroids. And I think, I think from what I've seen of Sal's work, like his thing is you want, you know, if you want to be free, one of your tenants is get a 3D printer. You put a 3D printer in every house and you get every house, every house that wants to be part of the gaggle using cryptocurrency to exchange information on so that printer can do what you need it to do. That was always the dream. It was always the idea that instead of going to Walmart, you could have uh, 3D printing files be used, being used by or being facilitated by smart contracts. Yeah. Right. So let's say yes. uh, I sell uh, these little coasters or something. You want to buy these coasters? Well, instead of going to my store and buying the coaster, you just go onto my website, download the file, and in your basement, you, a half hour later, you have these coasters sitting there with my design on them. That's always been the promise is putting a factory in every single person's basement. That's the disintermediate, disintermediative potential of uh, having a 3D printer. It's how we get around the manufacturing industry, decentralize it. Very disruptive. So, Peter, we have that last question. The only, uh, one thing I'll add to that, though, is that technology has got to go a long way. Like my tools company, like I have my whole 
manufacturing wing here in Kelowna. We do everything. We we do anything with any kind of metal, anything with any kind of plastic. We we make any kind of material for our tools. And we've got 3D printers and all that. And they still got to get all that stuff that goes in it. And it takes a fucking long time. I mean, we, we, with some of our prototypes we've made, you know, we need to print something like this, you know, literally like that. It's very time consuming. Molding is been better for us but 3d printing has got a long ways to go and especially like it's you know that what this what the what the beast system is going to do is they're going to they might not be able to control the printers but they're going to try to control the material right so it'll be like bullets yeah you can get parts of your ar-15 but if you want to get this part and these bullets it's going to go through something it'll be really interesting to see if that technology goes to a place where people can take material that they make or can produce locally to 3D print, then it'll be like next level. Have you well, guys I, I agree, but I'm also going to say that like the fact that if you need to ship 20 of something, it takes you forever to print them. Doesn't matter to me if I bought the plans from Sal and my computer takes or my printer takes uh, five hours down in my basement to print it because I want one or I want three or I want five. I don't want a thousand. 3D printers. Someday we'll probably be able to make a thousand units a day of something, but that's not the point of a 3D printer, right, Sal? You're correct. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, the other thing I would add too is that, you know, the little desktop 3D printers that we're talking about, this is just the beginning. You know, pretty soon, have you guys, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, I think it's called like FarmBot or something like that, but yeah, it's like no, the size yeah. of a room and it, it goes around and it'll create like a whole uh, garden for you. So let's say I wanted to download plans from Jack. I want to create a homestead. He knows how to do it. I don't. He has the plans in his head or drawn up or something. I could buy the plans from him, have this farm bot go around. Of course, right now it's not, you know, it's it's cost prohibitive. But in the future, those costs will come down. It'll become more accessible for more people. I've seen, it does, 3D, that, printers, that, I've seen 3D printers that are using AirCrete to print a fucking house. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. The Air, right, AirCrete's I mean, amazing, man. Yeah, that's an amazing yeah. product. I will. I want to just add, though, because I think it kind of comes back to where a lot of us have roots on the land, or at least at least some of us that I know, is that like that idea of the farm bot. I saw that years ago, and yeah, it's kind of neat. But at the same time, all this technology, the more I, my personal belief is that we are becoming ex, potentially exposed to a black swan be, by becoming too too dependent on technology, especially with food growing. I can't imagine. I mean, think about how centralized our food system is right now. So we all start we all start having these like this little farm bot becomes more accessible, and then it just gives people more excuses to be lazy and not actually learn a bit about nature and grow the oh, fucking dude, food dude. themselves. Uh, so, so my my friend, he has he was the one responsible for all of the genetics in Holland when when cannabis became a thing, um, legal and all of that. And he just did a study for the UN agriculturally where they would set up they would set up different fields with the same exact genetic strain of plant, and one would be managed by a robot, a farm bot. One would be managed by a, uh, a human and one would be managed by kindergarten humans, right? And they found that, and it was the exact same strain of genetic plant. The, the, the robot, the, the yield there, they could look at the mineral composition of the plant. It was a greater mineralization composition with the human, the, the farmer, and then 10 times as much with the kindergartners. And then they did a plant 
like one field with a guy who's got a vitamin K deficiency, one guy who's got a vitamin D deficiency, one guy who's got Parkinson's, one guy. And what they found when they studied the plants at the mineralization level is that each row would grow the extra K for the guy who was the vitamin deficient in K. The other fucking crazy. It's a literal UN study. Like it, this is legitimate shit. So the plants are in response to the human who are, who are dealing with them and they are producing the actual vitamins and minerals that that human needs. What's that? How can we find that study? That's not, that's not public yet. That, that, that is going to be public in the next two years. Wow. Is it from them touching the seeds or touching the plants? I don't know if you, where's the connection? This dude was a genius and he has rethought physics from the ground up, like got rid of Newtonian physics and went to a plasma based charge based model. And what he's found is that we all carry a charge. And the plants are communicating with each other at a charge wow. ele- electromagnetic level, and they are able to determine what it is. I believe that's awesome. awesome. I think we all, all, know, that. think we all know intuitively that that's true, but that Dude, sounds like another topic for another it day. Is. Let, man, there is, is, there, is, soon, there, is yeah. there is an energetic connection between humans and plants. If you guys want to understand it, a book you can read on this, and there's a lot of bullshit in it and a lot of reality, and it's called Celestine Prophecy. Just oh yeah, 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 totally good. Right. But, so Curtis, you just inspired that. But I, I know that the last yeah. question in the YouTube chat was uh, Peter. What was it? It is, and I guess John said that he can riff on this one. Is how to convince local businesses to accept cryptocurrency. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I have a lot of experience in this field. Uh, my ex-wife and I actually went on four crypto-only road trips. The first one was in 2014, and in 2014, it was definitely a different landscape than it yeah. is today. But part of the purpose was to visit as many of the shops and restaurants that were accepting crypto that we could, and then to encourage every place that we went. Also, we had meetups and stuff, but encourage new businesses to get set up shop. Uh, we I relied on the you. gift card a lot. Yeah. Yeah. G Y F T. It's a yep, great yep. tool where you can trade your Bitcoin for all sorts of gift cards. And then I worked with I did I did business with the Dash blockchain. They have this way where a contract can pay you out. You don't do business with a third party or an entity, although I think the organizing group incorporated since then, but you do business directly with a computer, so there's no ten ninety nine or anything. And the goal was to find a hundred businesses to accept Dash. I came up short and life kind of happened. I got to like 30, but I got three tips for getting businesses to accept cryptocurrency in your area. The first one would be to gather up all your friends. Ideally, it's a big city and there's like a crypto meetup and all of you guys go into the business and say, hey, we're going to come eat here today, but we want to let you know that we'd love to pay in crypto. In fact, we'd prefer to pay in crypto or it's just you if you're just by yourself. You say, hey, I got 12 buddies that would love to come here often and pay in crypto. Maybe we can do our meetups here. So that's one thing. And then talk to the owner about the value, the marketing value, the PR value of accepting cryptocurrency. I don't know if it's as valuable as it was years ago, but, you know, you put out a press release, you reach out to the local newspaper and say the business is now accepting crypto. There may be something there. And then the big thing is, if you know how to do this, is offer to the company to train their staff or to get them help setting up. And one great app is called AnyPay. Derek J. Freeman and Steven up in the New Hampshire, they created this app. Of course, BitPay is a, a classic one. But one thing that we found early on is we'd go to a place that was on a crypto map for accepting Bitcoin, and the waiter or the guy at the register had no idea how to do it. It was just an excited evan- evangel- ev- evangelical owner. He never even trained the staff on how to accept it and how to 
put the invoice in and so on and so forth. So uh, make yourself available to help them walk through the process. And if you don't know that yourself, chances are if you live in a middle to big size city, there's going to be the crypto zealot out there that would be able to help do that. And a lot of crypto activists would be willing to do such a thing. All right. Well, I think what, what do you do? You have something, Jack? You want yeah, to I'll say the one thing I would add with that is start making purchasing decisions with it as well. So instead of just trying to get people to do it, if you're looking for a coffee shop, check every one and see if somebody's already doing it. And then instead of trying to get someone to do it, then reward that person. And if you have a meetup group or something, say, hey, man, you know, Joe down here at Joe's Java takes this. And so. It's great to try to get them to do it, but find out there's a lot of places that are already doing it. And sometimes instead of fighting to get something done, embrace what's already happened. Yeah. There's directories too you can find that'll show you where, what, what's taking Bitcoin in the area. Yeah. That's what Jack's message was great to end on there. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Want to thank Sal for sitting in with us. I think he, uh, he added a lot to the conversation oh, yeah. today. And until uh, next week. Peter, yeah. One, one last question. Does Nicole finger pick or play claw hammer? <laughs> I play keyboard. <laughs> um, I'm learning the banjo and I'm learning finger picking right now, but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> but there my goal go. was by Jack's workshop this year, but we'll see. Nice. Right. Sorry, Peter. There you go. No problem at all. Well, until next week, take care, everybody. Unloose the goose We'll take no views Your paradise